0: But right here, buddy, that's a tattoo. Wow, that's David Dunham.
1: Fact or fiction? Eric Dungey had no chance of again. This is the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show, presented by Pump Monkey Septic Services.
0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 19 of the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show. Today is Thursday, January 4th, and the 2023 National Championship game is set. I'm your host, Drew Archer. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Johnson. How's it going, Matthew?
1: Going great. Happy New Year, everybody listening, and Happy New Year to you, Drew. How are you? Happy New Year. I am uh,
0: doing well. i uh, coming off a couple of days off. Uh, I feel rested, rested as I can be, Um, but uh, yeah, happy new year.
1: Yeah, it's uh, nice. I still got like another week until classes start, so uh, still have a little bit of vacation left, but that's time well spent watching college football, um, which I guess we can go ahead and get into, or I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. Drew, you want to run through the topics that we're going to talk about today? (laughs)
0: Yeah, obviously we're going to talk about the big weekend that was uh, college football. Uh, we're probably going to focus mainly on the college football playoff games, uh, but some other big news come out of uh, this past week. And for the first time ever, Matthew and I did an instant reaction video to the Clemson uh, 38-5 to bowl game. So this feels kind of weird to me because you and I have already talked <laughs> about it, but we didn't release it as a podcast, just uploaded on YouTube. So we're going to Review uh, Clemson's bowl victory over the Wildcats. Uh, we do have a Twitter poll this week. Uh, so with the addition of um, the Twitter poll and Matthew being on here is a little different than last week's episode. I did have technical difficulties. I don't even know if I told you, Matthew, but I did not record a video version of last week's podcast. So our YouTube listeners will be uh, happy about that. Uh, and as always. Factor Fiction, will review our Pick'Em contest from last week, and then Matthew and I will each give our picks for the national championship coming up on Monday night, so um, Matthew, this is our second-to-last episode of the season.
1: Yeah, and uh, we've come a long way this year, I feel like, uh, I don't know, from where we started, we had never done a video podcast before, and here we are, almost professionals at it, with only a few technical difficulties. <laughs>
0: Yeah, keyword almost there, (laughs) especially on my end. I got a new camera for Christmas, and I think that's what threw my whole video podcast off last week was using a new camera. I couldn't figure out how to zoom out, and then I started having audio issues, and I was like, this is not going to work out the way I (laughs) want it to. So, um, But uh, as we mentioned at the top, the CFP, the national championship, is set. Uh, It will be Michigan and Washington. This is the first time – that there will not be an SEC team in the national championship since the first uh, season of the college football playoff with four teams. This is the last team or the last year with four teams. So, uh, bookending that there. So Alabama uh, drops to Michigan twenty-seven to twenty. Texas also falls to Washington thirty-seven to thirty-one. Both fantastic games. Um, no no blowouts in this this year's college football playoff. Had Florida State been in there, that would have been an absolute bloodbath. Uh, What are your takes on uh, either of these games,
1: Matthew? Um, Well, I'll I'll push back a little bit on the Florida State uh, point, just because I think if Florida State were to be against, uh, what would they have been, the three or four seed? I think they could have put up a fight, but I did really love how competitive the playoffs were this year like you said no blowouts for maybe the first time ever in a playoff semifinal, um and the outcome that i wanted in both games happened which i don't know has ever happened in the 14 playoff era also so uh i'm glad that this is what happened i mostly want to talk about the texas washington game because i don't know if you got to see it but i mean i fell asleep I didn't finish it, but I watched every minute of it. Michael Penix. He can he can sling the ball Uh, watching him throw the ball. it, It just comes off of his hand. So weird. It looks like it like floats out of his hand and then just like floats into the receiver's hands. It's pretty incredible. Some of his deep balls that he throws. So, uh, the placement of them. Yeah.
0: Placement is absolutely perfect.
1: Yeah. That's what it's like. He just like is floating it up there and letting it like fall. It place it exactly where it needs to be. It's pretty, pretty insane to see. I'm really excited for this national championship. Um, because Michigan, if you saw against Alabama, they were getting a lot of big pressure on Jalen Milrow, forcing him to make quick decisions, get out of the pocket. And uh, that's going to be, it's going to be a real telltale sign on Michael Penix if he can handle that. Um, this game reminds me a lot of the 2016 national championship where uh, Deshaun, it was the second one, the one that was played in 2017, technically. But uh with where Deshaun ended up winning with the pass to Hunter Renfro. But it reminds me of that because, uh, well, Penix's game kind of reminds me of Deshaun's a little bit also. Um, But I'll, I think Penix is really going to have to stand in there and take the hits and uh, really bear down on the pressure because uh, there's only one way to get past it, and that's just going through it. So uh, I feel like Deshaun... And those national championship games really had to take a bunch of big hits and keep going, keep the offense moving, keep his head on. And that's what Penix is going to need to do to win this game. Um, If you couldn't tell, I'm cheering for Washington this year. Go go Huskies.
0: (laughs) I am also cheering for Washington. However, I think I mentioned it on the podcast before. I, I, I think it would be funny if Michigan won just because of all the hate they're getting because of all the scandals and stuff that's gone on this year. I want Washington to win a huge factor in that game. I can't remember his name, but the running back that went down later in the game, um, that's going to be a huge factor in the game. If he can't go on Monday night, that makes Washington a little bit more one dimensional. And to your point with the pressure that Michigan can bring, um, that just makes his every throw, every snap, all that more important. So uh, hopefully Washington's running back will be able to get in there. My thing this Michigan Alabama game, Michigan was dominating Alabama, but they kept letting Alabama just hang around and hang around. Alabama almost won this game. Um, I that was that was not a good. I, after that game ended, I looked at Emily. I was like, I really hope more exciting game because there was just so many mistakes between the missed snaps on Alabama, Michigan just making mistakes and allowing the the crimson tie to stay in this game it was not a i don't know it was a it was a competitive game, but it was just it just seemed sloppy for teams that are in their fourteenth week of the season,
1: yeah, and that's another point as to why I think if you had a healthy Florida state team in the playoffs this year, if they were in that game, the one v four seed uh alabama michigan i think florida a healthy Florida state could have competed in that game also because of those mistakes. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to push back on that one. I, the Florida State, without uh, their
0: starting quarterback, has a zero offense. I that said healthy. Alabama <laughs> has offense. Oh, healthy, healthy, yes. Yes, of course. Florida State would have been competitive. But Florida State, in their current state, without – uh, hundred Travis, uh, stood no chance.
1: Yeah. Um, I could see that because the offense would need really needed to be able to move, uh, in this against Michigan or Alabama, whichever team you replaced with Florida State in your scenario. So, uh, but I think a fully healthy Florida State team still would have kept this playoff very competitive. And, uh, Florida State would have had a chance to beat both of those teams if things would have played oh, yeah. out differently in the regular season. So, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm happy Michigan won just because it's almost like when Alabama loses America wins. So
0: family hates it, but I was kind of I was pulling for Alabama.
1: I don't know why. I don't
0: I, I don't I don't know my my family absolutely hates that I root for Alabama. I have I have no issue. Like early on in Nick Saban's tenure and they were winning those national championships, it's, it's I had a similar perspective with with uh, New England when they were winning all those Super Bowls with Tom Brady, I, I hated them just because they were winning. But then I realized like, oh, these teams are great. And I really like Nick Saban. I think he's absolutely hilarious. Uh so I like to root for Alabama. So I was pulling for them. I, I mean, even I put my money where my mouth is. I I picked Alabama outright uh to win that game, not in our pick 'em contest, but uh just with my own money. So that had a little added flair to it there as well. But Uh, We reference Florida State, and they just get absolutely demolished after no starting quarterback. You had opt-outs against Georgia. I was working that day, and I sent a text in y'all's group text. I think the second half of starting was like 35-3 to or something like that. My biggest thing is are you – and I've noticed this with other teams as well – How are you going to allow your opt-out players to stand on the sideline and watch something like that happen? If you opt out, you, you opt out of this team. You don't get to stand on the sideline.
1: Yeah. I, I, that rubs me a little the wrong way. Also allowing the opt-outs to still come with your team and participate in the bowl, because that's part of it. Like you can't just say, Oh, I'm not playing in this and still go get all the gifts and benefits that come with your team, making it to a bowl game. Like, Yeah, you helped your team get there, and you might be the reason why your team got there, but, like, I don't know, it does kind of feel a little weird that you're going and getting all these gifts knowing you're not doing anything for them. Yeah, and and
0: stand there and watch what ensued in that Georgia-Florida State game, knowing if you were in the game, you could. I mean, I still don't think Florida State had a chance, but had some of these guys participated, it would not have been the game that it was
1: yeah i was I was kind of hoping when this game got announced that it was going to be like a statement game for Florida State where they would have some players not opt out and want to prove a point, but they took the opposite route in their protest and decided to protest the game altogether and not show up. I did think it was pretty funny that by midway through the first quarter, Florida State almost just gave up on having a quarterback and would run the wildcat offense most of the most of the drive so. Yeah, it's, that was a tough one to watch. I feel like Georgia, Georgia's players were really trying to make a statement also, uh, not just to Florida State but to the college football playoff committee. But uh, luckily all these problems are going to be solved in the coming year with the introduction of the 12-team playoff. But before we get off of Florida State, um, other big news in college football Especially to do with this podcast and Clemson football, uh, DJ Uyunglele, Oregon State quarterback, former Clemson quarterback, uh, has announced he's transferring to Florida State. Uh, which we have a game Clemson we as and we has a game scheduled uh, at in Tallahassee this year, so that one should be interesting. I'm honestly really excited to watch our defense play against DJ.
0: Yeah, that's going to be fun. I real I really wish that would have been a home game this year to have him come back to Death Valley, um, the environment and the just the grief and stuff that fans would give him would be great. But that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting. Larry Williams posted on uh, Tiger Illustrated today talking about like two years ago or not even two years ago, a year ago, prior heading into the ACC Championship, DJ was Clemson's starting quarterback. And in that time, he's since moved to Oregon and to Florida State. And the two teams will face each other uh, as the two premier teams in in the conference. And Florida State already in lawsuits with the ACC. And by that time, Clemson more than likely in lawsuits with the ACC. So there'll be a lot of storylines and stuff uh, for that game.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting and uh, definitely one to mark the calendar for him. I still don't have any like hatred towards DJ. It, it is a little different now that he's at a rival school, but uh, I still think he's a good kid and a good player. So, uh, I mean, I hope he plays like we saw him play most of his career at Clemson. Come yeah, that game in <laughs> Tallahassee. So, um, one other uh, transfer portal news coming out of Clemson: Brandon Spector, number thirteen, wide receiver. Uh, announced yesterday as of recording this, I believe, that he has decided to enter the transfer portal as a graduate transfer. Um, I don't have his stats right offhand. I think he had, like, a couple hundred yards in his four or five years here and uh, has one year of eligibility remaining.
0: Yep. Um, Yeah, that happened late Tuesday night, I believe. I saw that uh, first report about... I, I didn't realize Rivals has a portal, like, tracker... Uh, that came across my screen. I saw that Tuesday night. I did want to say one other thing about the the DJ Florida State thing. Um, I'm interested to see how, I mean, whether it works out or not, he's going to he's got one more year of eligibility, so this will be his final year there. but he was not put in a good position at Clemson. He was He followed the legend in Trevor Lawrence and, and lost his job to Kate Klubnik. He'll have to face Kate Klubnik in this matchup. But then also he's headed to Florida state where he's following Jordan Travis and in both situations, big shoes to fill. So um, he's had a rough go at it as a college quarterback.
1: Yeah. And hopefully I, I expect Florida state's roster to be kind of back and beefed up again this year with use of the transfer portal. I know they lost a lot of guys this year, but I don't think this was like a one and done type year for Florida State. I think they're going to try to be sustain this type of model for years and years um by just getting, you know, players in kind of like the college basketball model doing one and duns. So uh it'll be interesting to see. Um but yeah.
0: Yeah, let's move on to some Clemson football. So as we touched on the top, Tigers uh beat Kentucky 38 to 35, a huge fourth quarter there for the Tigers. Clemson has now won at least one postseason game that includes conference championships, bowl games, national championships in 13 consecutive seasons. Uh, and that is the
1: longest streak in FBS history. Oh, wait, sorry. Before we get too far into talking about Clemson, Kentucky, Drew mentioned it at the top of the episode. But go check out pause the podcast right now and go watch our uh, instant reaction. We recorded it less than an hour after the final uh, final tick on the clock, so uh, it's fresh reactions there. We're kind of be going more general, but if you want to see our instant reactions to the game, go check out that YouTube video. It'll be linked down below. Sorry, you can get back to the stats. Now you're good. Good plug. Uh,
0: Clemson won nine games in a season for the 31st time in school history. It's Clemson's 13th consecutive nine-win season. And it's 14th overall under Dabo Sweeney. So 14 of Dabo's 15 season this Clemson's head coach. The Tigers have won at least nine games. Uh, Clemson won by scoring in the final two minutes of regulation for the first time since the 2019 Fiesta Bowl. That was against Ohio State. A little Ross Taylor nugget here. The players responsible for the game-winning touchdown in that Fiesta Bowl was quarterback Trevor Lawrence and running back Travis Etienne both were in tenants at the Gator Bowl as the game was played in Duval uh, at the Jaguars home stadium.
1: Yeah, there was a point you can probably I uh, might even just put a picture of the tweet here, but there was a point in the game where I was hoping Trevor would suit up in Cade's uniform and step out there, but in in the end I'm glad it was Cade out there who played that last drive. He had to channel some Trevor Lawrence in there and make some good decisions, be decisive and on time with the plays. But I've, I'm really happy. We I'll we'll talk a little about it a little bit more after all the stats. But I'm really happy with Cade's performance in this game and his ability to uh, drive us down the field when we needed it the most. Absolutely,
0: the Tigers' 11 point deficit that overcome was the largest in a bowl game since overcoming at a 16 point deficit. Uh, in that same game against Ohio State. Uh, With his 12th career bowl win, Davos Sweeney broke Bobby Bowden's ACC record for the most career bowl wins in the conference. Clemson's senior class became the 11th senior class in program history to earn 40 wins in a four-year span. That senior class went 40 and 12. Clemson improved to 38 and 11 in one possession game since 2011, the highest winning percentage in the country in one-score games during that span. Uh, the Tigers matched a season high with four takeaways all of which came in the fourth quarter it was Clemson's third uh, four takeaway game of the season and Clemson's first four takeaway bowl game since the 2014 Russell Athletic Bowl uh, Clemson won the turnover margin four to one there. Uh, the Tigers won the turnover margin for the fifth consecutive game. Tigers are also on a five game winning streak so that was a big part of this turnaround. Uh, Clemson finished the season seven and zero this year when they were in the, won the turnover margin, and went two and four when it did
1: not. It's kind of funny uh, though. You you, I was just going to say it's kind of funny because we didn't. Clemson didn't really stop turning the ball over like we were at the beginning of the year. That was our big problem. We were losing the turnover margin we didn't really stop turning the ball over throughout the year. We just started forcing more turnovers to like put a band aid over that. So that that's still something we need to improve going into this year. But uh, big reason why we went on that long win streak, like you said, uh, because winning the turnover margin, what was it? Five games in a row, nine games or nine games in 2019 and uh, five in this season. So uh, yeah, pretty impressive stuff.
0: Yeah. And once again, like we've seen, uh, for the last three seasons, the Tigers have had to rely on that defense uh, to keep them in games. And the defense there in the fourth quarter was a big part of that, despite giving up a bunch of chunk plays. Uh, Kate Klubnick completed 30 of 41 passes for 264 yards. Eli Clemson on the, that final drive, is was a 12-play, 68-yard game-winning drive um, in two minutes and 17 seconds. Uh, Klubnick was eight for eight and 71 yards on that final drive. Running back Phil Moffa, just 11 rushes and 71 yards for a career-high four touchdowns. He was the game's MVP. Uh, Moffa's four rushing touchdowns broke the Clemson Bowl record uh, previously held by Tracy Johnson. uh, And, oh, yeah, Tracy Johnson of Penn State. He had three in the 88 Citrus Bowl uh, and broke the Gator Bowl record. uh, That was also three and tied by three other people. Uh, Running back Will Shipley led Clemson with 132 all-purpose yards. Uh, He recorded a then-season-long 34-yard kickoff return on the game's opening kickoff. Shipley added a new season-long kickoff return with a 60-yard return uh, there in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, and we mentioned this in our uh, recap video, but uh, Shipley did come up limping or had to be carted off the field after that uh, season-long kickoff return, but... uh, I think the news as of now is there's no structural damage. Uh, MRI came back clean. So it looks like we might have lucked out with Will Shipley here or Will Shipley lucked out, really. Um, Hopefully that makes his NFL decision a little bit easier, Um, which I guess we can talk about a little bit here. I think you might have said. Yeah. Yeah. On that on that note. Yeah. uh, Anna Adams,
0: I believe formerly Anna Hickey, because. I think this is the same person, I, Adams doesn't ring a bell, but she covers uh, Clemson on 247 Sports. She shared an article today, or on the day of the recording on Wednesday. Let me pull it up, the screenshot I sent y'all. Um, but she shared an article where she was interviewing uh, Heaven Brown Schuler, one of the incoming freshmen that will join the team in the summer. Um, he was basically asked about, uh, the incoming class and made and basically made a comment that will Shipley is gone, and Phil Maffa is staying at this point. We have not heard any news on Shipley or Maffa um, I don't know i don't i don't know. I take this with a grain of salt because him as a defensive player, why would it matter or why would a coaching staff tell him, even if they know if will Shipley's coming back or not so that's been the scuttlebutt on Twitter today. I don't know if there's any validity to it. No one else has really commented on it, other than just everybody on Twitter.
1: Yeah, that's I saw that come through today, and I saw a couple of people talking about it on Twitter. So wanted it to at least be mentioned here. But um, like you said, I don't know if it if it really means anything because this is a a freshman who isn't even on campus yet. Uh, will be enrolling or starting practice in the summer, so. Uh, I don't know if his yeah. so- sources are all the way accurate. So, uh, I, like we talked about it in that recap video, but my kind of thoughts on it are that Shipley needs to go, uh, he needs to be selfish a little bit and just go get the money while he can. Cause if he stays also, our running back room is going to be pretty crowded next
0: Yeah. I, um, uh- if, he, if what he says is true, I'm at least happy that that means that Maffa would return. I, I would like to see a season as uh, with Maffa as the featured back. Um, so uh, we will see. Uh, tight end Jake Brenningstool on last Friday led Clemson in receptions with nine and 91 receiving yards. Uh, Brenningstool's nine receptions tied Clemson single game school record for receptions by a tight end. Uh, matching John Mackman and Brandon Ford. Brandon Ford did that in that LSU game in 2012. Uh, we talked about it in our instant analysis video on YouTube. Um, this amount of targets for Stool is something I kind of expected in the offseason, and we didn't quite see as much. You saw, like, random games where Brenningstuhl was being targeted, so it was good to see that. It was a big part of the offense in this victory. Uh, And then uh, just one one thing of note on the defensive side, linebacker Barrett Carter was credited with five tackles, three pass breakups, an interception, and a fumble recovery. And there's a lot of ands in that sentence, and a half sack. So big game for Barrett Carter.
1: Yeah, I think these last three players that we talked about, Phil Moffa, Barrett Carter, and Jake Burningstool are my three MVPs in the order. I would think Barrett Carter is my MVP, then Moffa, then Burningstool um but I also think you got to give Cade a look for that final drive even though the rest of the game wasn't wasn't perfect Cade really came through in the clutch so uh I think that's I think that's good confidence for Cade to have going into next season and uh hopefully he can help ride that wave continue that momentum uh see, realize what he was doing on that drive worked and we can play with that type of urgency for the rest of 2024 season but that's pretty much all I had to say about the Gator Bowl win over Kentucky. Drew, did you have any thoughts that we hadn't talked about yet? No, between this and our instant reaction video, I think I've pretty well covered it.
0: I also can't remember what I said when, so, um, <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, we will, uh, close the book on Clemson in 2023. Uh, but one thing we're not closing the book on is pump monkey septic service, a uh, loyal sponsor, For this season with us. If you have a septic tank issue, uh, give Pump Monkey a call. I saw a statistic the other day about um, how much more restrooms are getting used during this time of year following uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's. You have a lot of people in and out of the house, and with that, that causes septic tank issues. So, You think you need to get it looked at or if you're having issues, call Pump Monkey Septic Service at 864-710-2211. They're owned and operated by Clemson alumni Alan Powell, and he'd be happy to come out and give you a free quote. So 864-710-2211. When the dump's funky, call Pump Monkey.
1: Twitter polls.
0: Twitter poll of the week. Actually, even before I even get to the Twitter poll of the week, I did want to tell you this, Matthew, I, I meant to text you about it. Somebody who I didn't think was a listener of the show at a Christmas party this, uh, this past week or so hit me with a, when the dumps funky call pump monkey as they were leaving the party the other day. I was like, Oh, I didn't <laughs> even know you listened to the podcast. <laughs>
1: I like how that's that's the calling card of what somebody would reference to us to let us know that they're a listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but shout out to Pump Monkey. Shout out to all of you listeners. We really appreciate it. But uh, this is part of the show where we get the listeners involved, and that is our Twitter poll. So this week's poll was who will be Clemson's most impactful defensive player next season. Uh, the options were Khalil Barnes, R.J. Mickens, Barrett Carter, and Peter Woods also put in there that if you had somebody else to comment. So um,
1: Matthew, what are your thoughts on this? So I am leaning towards Barrett Carter. I think he learned a big lesson this year. I don't know if you remember in August, there's an interview after game one where the Duke game, where him and Jeremiah Trotter are kind of hot saying that they weren't ready for the season physically. And uh, I think He's going to take that very seriously this offseason and come out with an All-American type year next year. And to do that, he's going to have to work hard and get his teammates ready this offseason. So I think Barrett Carter came back for a purpose. He's the leader of the defense now, uh, and it's his time to show it. I think he's going to really take advantage of it and work hard. So I'm going Barrett Carter. But honorable mentions, I think Peter Woods had a big start to the season. He's got to get stronger this offseason, though. Um, And then Khalil Barnes just kind of really came on towards the end of the season. Uh, I think he just needs more experience out there, recognizing play awareness type of stuff like that. So uh, that's kind of where I'm thinking uh, for this one.
0: Yeah, I I agree with everything you said. I too voted for Barrett Carter. I think that it's huge that he's coming back uh, for this final season. So he's, he's going to be the, the leader there on that defense. Uh, uh, Quite a few people, Got in and commented, um, Zach, like his Twitter handle here, Zach 423 Um, he and Green Vegas Tiger both get in and say TJ Parker. Um, and Zach says TJ Parker over anyone but Barrett Carter at the moment. So, um, honestly, kind of dropped the ball on that one. I probably should have put TJ Parker in over RJ Mickens. No, uh, no offense. Mr. Mickens. But um as far as the way the poll went, um, I did mention RJ Mickens. He got two percent of the vote. Uh Khalil Barnes, eighteen percent, Peter Woods, twenty-four percent, and everyone else also agrees with what uh you and I are thinking Barrett Carter, Barrett Carter, fifty-six percent of the vote. I cannot speak right now, apparently. Um, so again, thank you to everybody who participated in this. Twitter poll and all season long. We really appreciate the comments where we get to read on air and um, lets us know that people are at least listening. Uh, thank you for that. Factor Fiction.
1: All right. Fact or Fiction. Number one, the offensive line unit for Clemson will be the most improved this offseason.
0: I know I put this one up there and I don't know if I have an answer yet. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can answer first. I just since the transition ran, I was just going for it. I think I'm thinking fiction. It better be. It better be the most improved because we really don't have anywhere to go but up. Um, I guess maybe our most popular tweet of the year happened during the game on Saturday or Friday where I sent out a tweet of. Our left tackle pass setting, tripping over the tight end and just falling after making no contact with anybody on the defense and just letting the edge rusher have a free rush. So, um, yeah, I think it really needs to be, but I'm really expecting wide receivers to make a big jump this year because we have uh, Bryant Wesco and a couple other really big recruits coming in plus the established receivers we already have with Antonio Williams and Tyler Brown. I think we're really going to have a solid receiving core for the first time since Trevor Lawrence. So uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning on that.
0: And Cole Turner uh, after being out most of the season as well.
1: Hopefully he was able to develop physically. I think uh, he could be a very good deep threat for us, which we really need because sorry, I'm going to keep talking, but I saw a tweet today that mentioned Cade's, down or like he only his average depth of pass like i guess air yardage on every pass attempt this year was like five yards, and uh I think we need to get that in the double digits next year, <laughs> yeah, those
0: are rookie numbers, gotta get those up <laughs> um I'm gonna say fact on this one, uh just uh out of pure optimism and hope, more hope than anything not not so much optimism. Uh, that the offensive line will be the most improved because that solves a lot of problems. I I feel like with Cade, uh, it allows him more time to make these decisions. And if we do get those wide receivers back that we, we were just talking about, allows him time to, to look at coverages, maybe throw some downfield passes, that kind of thing. So um, wishful thinking, I'm saying fact here. Fact or fiction, Clemson opens up as a 10-point underdog against georgia in the season 10 point or more you can go further if you want to
1: (laughs) well um before i answer i'll I'll tell a story sunday when whenever this game was going on the uh, florida state georgia game uh my girlfriend texted me and she was at home with her family and said oh we were thinking since clemson opens the season with georgia her sister is a freshman at uga this year um so they were like oh we can have a party would your family be interested in coming and i was like Uh, I don't know. My family's like kind of particular about watching Clemson games. And, uh, and then I was like, also, I don't know if I would come because I'm kind of particular about watching Clemson games. And did you see what Georgia just did to Florida state today? (laughs) So like, I don't think I want to be around a bunch of Georgia fans to watch that happen to my team. So, uh, but with all that being said, I'm going fiction. I think the line's going to open under 10, but by kickoff, it will be spread out to 10 or more. But when it opens, I think they're going to think it's going to be a little close.
0: Yeah. Uh, on your comment about the invitation to watch with uh, your, your girlfriend's Georgia family there I knew immediately knew that is a hard no from Gerald Johnson <laughs> uh, for that. Uh, and more than likely I, I'd assume he would probably want to go to that game, but maybe not. Um, I'm going to say fiction as well. I think Clemson probably opens up as a seven point point, Uh, underdog to Georgia. I think that um, there's going to be a lot of optimism around this Clemson team with some improvement uh, coming into the game and honestly it could end up being like another low scoring tight game like we saw a couple years ago in Charlotte. So uh, I'm going to say fiction there. Uh, Factor fiction, the SEC-less national championship will be the most-watched national championship in the college football playoff era.
1: I'm going to say fact. It'll be tough because I think the 2014 one is pretty high up there because that was also an sec list one. But on a side note, why does it have to be on a Monday night? Hopefully we can fix this with the 12-team playoff schedule and please God schedule the national championship of college football, which is known for being played on Saturdays. Never plays on Mondays except for one time a year. It's ridiculous. Just on a school night, it's awful. So please, twelve team playoff, (laughs) fix that. I was just that was a tangent, but sure. I I feel the same way. Uh,
0: Unfortunately, we will not get our uh, wishes. Uh, The NFL rules, and um, that means that college football can't be played on a Saturday or Sunday at that point because you're. Uh, in the middle of the, well, I guess at this point it's not in the playoffs, but it's the last regular season game for NFL this week. So, um, but I, yeah, I do agree. I wish it was on a Saturday. Um, And I'm going to go. Oh, and on that same point, similar to just something that really irks me, the elitists that are the Rose bowl people just really mess everything up. Like, the second half of the second playoff game the other night started at 11 p.m. All because we're catering to the Rose Bowl and their game has to happen at this time on this day. I say that uh, we kind of push the envelope and make uh, the Rose Bowl cave in future years. But on to this factor, fiction. Um, I'm going to say fiction I think if it was any other team other than Washington, it probably would be. I don't know that the there's a lot of interest other than just the general excitement of Penix in this offense uh, as there would be like if Texas would have won or Alabama, well, we're going sec list, but um, if it was Texas-Michigan, I think that would definitely have uh, been a fact there.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are two big blue blood programs right there. So that would have been a pretty historic national championship game. So, yeah, I could see what you're saying. But I think the hype is still there for just the parity in college football. But, um, yeah, I do agree with your irk about, um, yeah, that was it's ridiculous because there are three hours or I guess they're only two hours behind New Orleans where the second college football playoff game was played and so like that game kicked off at 7:45 local time when the rose bowl had to kick off at like 1 or something local time like mm-hmm. what, that it does not fun I think it, the rose bowl would be way better if it was played at night
0: it's all about that scenic view that you get to see the sun setting over the mountains, overlooking the stadium, That's, they're all about their images. That, that they're kind of like the masters of college football, if you will.
1: Well, um, undeservedly, but. I think they they do they do not deserve that much credit. They are not the masters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Rose Bowl is cool, but I do think it is overhyped. It they always yeah. do have the best. They always have the best grass. Their field always looks immaculate. Well, then maybe it is like um, Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, moving on to our pick 'em contest. Um, I may have messed up a little bit and tried not to give Matthew any credit for his picks last week. I messed up and uh marked him down getting all four wrong, but he corrected me today via text message. So, uh, looking back at this week, um, Matthew. Uh went two for two this week. His favorite underdog hit. His over and under did not hit. Do you have anything on these games?
1: Um, no, I just I think it might have been my fault whenever I sent my picks over because I did write them weird. Like when I wrote out my favorite, I put Alabama versus Michigan, but I put that Michigan was favored in parentheses on their side. So to read it out, it would have read Matthew's picking his favorite Alabama against Michigan. So I understand why you got it wrong. I just, if you were listening last week and drew read him out wrong, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to change the script on you. Uh Obviously it's not helping me at all. So uh <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to come back with one week, one week left in the contest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have a 13 point week here. I'm, I guess I probably should bet the line for one of them. So that way I can get double points. Then I I could pick Washington to win by exactly three and get double. Sure. (laughs) I feel (laughs) like if like you're betting the, I'm not going to pick like Washington to cover, but if they like get the line exactly, like I'm betting on a wash is basically what I'm saying. This week for the national championship because.
0: So you're decreasing your odds to win in hopes of getting
1: one extra point. Yeah, because I don't have a chance to win, (laughs) but I might be able to make up a little bit more ground. So uh, with that being said, um, with there be only being one game this week after the airing of this episode, me and Drew. Uh, we typically give out favorite underdog over and under, but for this week, we're just picking whether we're picking the favorite or underdog uh Michigan as the favorite, and I got it at three and a half, but I did see a couple lines at three also, so I'm switching to the three line to pick the cup to pick the wash um but uh, so yeah, I just gave away my favorite pick. I'm picking Washington um to win the national championship at. 3 I'm picking the wash. So So you need them so you're picking them to
0: lose by exactly 3 points.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh all right. Um I am When I, when that line first came out, I believe it was um a 4-point line and I felt pretty confident that I was going to go with Washington in that. Um, but I think I'm going to switch it up and go, well, I guess I only have one option. There's only one game we're picking in it. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with, uh, Michigan minus three, which right. I, uh, I didn't come to this game, this, uh, episode prepared. Like I typically do. I did not make my pick. So I'm just live picking them here. All right. You going with over or under Matthew?
1: I am. I found a spread at 63 or over under at 63. So I am picking it to hit 63. So to possibly exactly, you're going the same. Yeah. To possibly get double the points and walk out of this week with eight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I am going to go with the. I'm going to go with the under in this game. Um, Michigan's got a solid defense, um, so I'm going to go under
1: 63 points. All right. Well, this will be – it's not really anything riding on the these picks here, so uh, can't really go wrong. You picked a good one to not come prepared on. <laughs> yeah, the
0: season total currently at 46 to 31. Um, so Matthew has already basically admitted defeat. He has sent me his tattoo design that he will be getting. <laughs> Um, so I'll be excited. You'll have to, well, I'll make sure that I'm there whenever this occurs.
1: Yeah, we'll record it and probably put it up on YouTube or something, at least as a short. So, uh, yeah, um, I guess we do have potential for, uh, if you want to do score prediction, an exact score prediction, you could do an exact score prediction as two points on the pick 'em contest, maybe an exact spread is one point. Like if you get the spread right. Sure. You just
0: have to remind me of all this when I'm calculating the totals next week because I'm going to forget all this.
1: I'll try to remember. So I am picking, I need to make sure it matches up with.
0: No, don't make it match up. Pick something different. (laughs) Because if you get one wrong, then you get them both wrong.
1: Yeah, but I need to chain them all together and get them all right and get double points on all of them two inch to like even have anywhere close to a chance or to lose by one. I think if I get all of them right with double points, I will lose by one if you don't get anything right. So I'm betting, uh, picking the score as the score of the Gator bowl, 38, 35. Um, I guess technically that's Michigan winning, even though I want Washington to win, but since Michigan's favorite, I can't really do that in my current predicament
0: uh i'm gonna go 41 24
1: in this matchup so oh you say over in case you get the over under right or wrong yes
0: (laughs) uh also if also if michigan wins i get an extra point because i predicted them to win the national championship uh in week one
1: yeah that is true so uh I'm going to put a note down here at the bottom of our score predictions of the scoring for it, but uh, I'll probably just uh, edit this part out. I think that's the end of the episode. Unless Drew, you had anything else you want to talk about for these national championship games. I didn't really have anything else to say about them.
0: I didn't. I'm just sad that college football is over. I'm going to become the world's biggest NFL fan. immediately following Monday night's national championship game. So, um I'm all in on the Cowboys, but they're going to let me down like they always do. So, our break is coming.
1: Well, uh I guess we can talk briefly about um the Cowboys cheating their way to victory after the Gator Bowl against the Lions. That's that's on the riffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean I was I was just kind of wording it like that as a joke, but uh Yeah, that's an awful call. I'm sure if you follow football in any form, you've seen people talking about this, but uh, the Lions scored a touchdown with the opportunity to kick an extra point and tie the game and go into overtime against the Cowboys, or they decided to go for two, had a lineman report as eligible. The ref read the number on his jersey wrong and told the defense the wrong player was eligible the Lions get the two point conversion and the ref throws a flag for an eligible man downfield because he read the number wrong on the Jersey of the guy who reported. So kind of bullshit if you ask me, but uh, you know, life of a Cowboys fan, you get to live with stuff like this sometimes. Hey, I do
0: not want to win this way. (laughs) However, um, I will take the win. Uh, It was a big win. Uh, It does suck for Detroit, because I think that eliminates their chances of hosting a a home playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, if we're talking NFL, one other thing I got to bring up, probably the most hated owner in the NFL, David Tepper, the Carolina Panthers, did not help his cases. We do see the video where he threw a drink on a fan at the Jaguars game.
1: Yeah, I hope. And I've seen people mentioning it on Twitter, but I'm hoping that this fan is working through his legal recourse right now with his own legal team because when somebody as valuable as David Tepper assaults you, you, uh, it's time mm-hmm. to get the bag. <laughs> I'm better. See, hey, I need to see a picture of this man wearing the same
0: exact Jersey and a neck brace <laughs> covered in, <laughs> covered in beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did see today. The NFL did find David Tepper $300,000, which to a billionaire and the second richest owner in the NFL as pocket change. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I'm not, a, I'm not a Panthers fan. I'm a Cowboys fan, obviously, but being the hometown team, I've always rooted for the Panthers, and just since he's taken over, he's just mistake after mistake, mismanaging the team. The They had a good thing going with building a facility uh, across the border in South Carolina. He ruined that, so uh, not a big David Tepper fan.
1: Yeah, I've heard... I'm not too informed on that Rock Hill practice facility move, but... Uh... You know, with an organization that's supposed to be bringing North Carolina and South Carolina together, they sure do favor North Carolina a lot. So uh, never drafted a Clemson player, have a couple South Carolina players, but yeah, they're a North Carolina team. (laughs) South Carolina is about to become Falcons fans, and I'm sorry for all of you.
0: <laughs> Which is worse, being a Panthers <laughs> fan or a Falcons fan. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah, there is uh any. but so there is our little NFL uh segment before we wrap up. But um thank you all for joining us for episode nineteen. Um again, we appreciate all y'all listening this entire season. Uh we're gonna wrap the season up next week with episode twenty. Uh, And Then we're going to take a little break before um, Ball Talk Season 2 opens up and talk some Clemson baseball and Clemson softball. So um, thank you all again, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.
1: Question, one last thing, sorry, before we hang up. Do we get Gerald on next week? Or This is my public call-out for Gerald to be available Wednesday, uh, January 10th at 5 p.m., and download the Discord app on your computer. I,
0: I'm down for Gerald to come on. Was I know he came on last year. Was it the last episode of the season last year, too? It,
1: if it wasn't the last episode we did, it was at least the last episode like after Clemson's season ended. So uh, I feel like it's only right to cap off season two the same way we did season one with a full season analysis by uh, one and only Gerald J.
0: Very opinionated, Gerald is. So, uh, yeah, if he wants to come on and can't come on, let's have him.
1: Yeah, this is your invitation. Uh, you have both of our numbers, so just let us know. Confirm. This is also a test to see if he listens to the very end of this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does, but yeah, this is a test. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Peace. <laughs>